Hi, I'm Michaela, a psychotherapist. Hi, I'm Savannah, not a psychotherapist. Welcome to our podcast, Be You, Find Happy. Real life conversations about life and the pursuit of happiness. It's the Be You Find Happy podcast, and this week I have Sky Nelson Isaacs, a theoretical physicist, talking all about the choices that we make in life and how every little thing that comes into our day has the ability to change our future. You may know this, but how do we generate the power of synchronicity to achieve all of our dreams and goals? Listen up. These are the answers. And if you like this podcast, as always, give it a like, hit subscribe, leave us a comment, voice message. We'd love to hear from you. Hello, it's the sky. Hi there. How are you? Good. Great. Well, I am really happy to connect in this platform. Me too. Yes, but I am hopeful that we can start with you giving the listeners um, just kind of the elevator pitch, you know, your name and what you do and and all that stuff. And and then we can get into some of the questions that I have. Great. And have we started already? We have. We're live. Great. Okay, great. Well, we're not live, but... (laughs) Yeah, we're we're live in the virtual realm of things. Right. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Sky Nelson Isaacs, and I wrote a book called Living in Flow, The Science of Synchronicity and How Your Choices Shape Your World. Because I've been studying as a physicist, I I have a master's degree in, in physics from San Francisco State University, and I've been working for a couple of decades, really for about 10 years solidly and practically on the mathematics and the physics that I think underlie the experience of synchronicity. The the, the motivation for this is this uh, intuition or the sense that the cosmos is not a dead, lifeless field on which we are living out our lives, but uh, an active, responsive cosmos. And this gives rise to a lot of the uh, ideas that have come up in modern times around uh, the law of attraction and things like that. But I think it goes deeper than that into, as a law of physics, it's a neutral responsiveness that the cosmos brings, which is really aimed at the purpose of the responsiveness of the cosmos is to bring us opportunities to heal and grow and evolve in life. Mm. So by responsiveness, I mean like situations will show up in your life that are unexpected, but are actually, if you, if you um, have some reflection, and do some inner work, you can sometimes see that there's a connection between the choices that you're making in your life and the types of opportunities that are unfolding. So I, I'm sitting here, just my my brain bubble is floating with all sorts of happy juices. Um, but <laughs> Lorna, your, your publicist first reached out to me and you know she, she mentioned that you would be a good fit for the podcast. And I started researching you and I was like, holy moly, he would be a great fit for this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I love what you do, too. Everything you talk about resonates so so well with me and my belief system in, in life. Um, and, I, and I think, too, uh, the listeners that have gravitated towards this podcast um, have, you know, we started out as a hippie and a realist. Um, so I think that... Um, <laughs> I think that everybody who's who listens to this podcast will really appreciate your your perspective and the things you have to say. Um, but one of the things that you mentioned, well, the first thing uh, I did not um, 
I did not realize that you went to San Francisco State. So that's that's my backyard. So um, oh, yeah? yeah. Well, I went to San Jose State. So <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah so we're great. in the same we're in the same um, planetary zone anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a great community, uh, larger Bay Area community and educational community. You know, the, the colleges, state colleges are just incredible value, incredible um, education for the service that they give. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. To the community. And then, you know, so, so being a physicist, yeah, you know, my, my worldly view is the big bang theory on, on television. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, right. you think about how, uh, what a unique mind that is, you know, my mind is uh, very creative, but I, I don't think I would have had the gumption to, to take that journey. So, um, it's so neat to just be, um, in the same space as somebody who is a physicist. That's just really cool. How did you get into yeah. that? I mean, how did you fall into that? Well, you know, honestly, what's interesting to me is that I started out on a quest for, as a, as a young person, understanding the world and the, my life and the cosmos. I was really turned on by deeper questions, the kind of questions you explore here. And even from uh, a young age, like, well, I mean, I started being exposed to some deeper spiritual questions when I was, you know, five years old or so from my parents' spiritual teacher, who was Swami Satchitananda. But I didn't, you know, I was a normal kid. I didn't integrate that stuff right away or anything, but it was, it exposed me to a lot of these questions. And in high school, I had experiences that ex expanded my mind in new ways and, and made me really think about these deeper questions of what is the cosmos that we live in? And when I got to college through a series of coincidences, really, I ended up uh, switching my major from music to physics in my sophomore year and did the work to catch up and then, and then graduated as a physics major at Berkeley. And that was because it satisfied the same question, like what is physics is, is the description of the physical world at, at its most basic level. And my explorations of spirituality had been really how does the physical world relate to the spiritual experience that we have? Mm -hmm. how, does, how do physical experiences show up in ways that seem meaningful to us? I love that. I love that. And so synchronicity might even be the, the, the flagship way in which the cosmos connects us to each other and to a greater sense of meaning. So, so many of the podcasters that I've had on, I have some sort of synchronistic serendipity type connection mm -hmm. with them. And so I'm constantly using those terms. So great to have someone who can actually help, help the listeners understand those terms on the podcast. Um, you know, yeah, well, one of the most gratifying things for me about writing this book is how many people are already talking about this. And I just get welcomed into that conversation with them. I think I, I think I align with what you're saying, where as a young kid, I, I just kind of had this greater feeling that I could create things by visualizing them and um, that somehow there was some energetic thing at play, some, you know, atmospheric thing happening that seemed to um, affect a lot larger of a circle around me than I than I maybe was being told by my by my mentors or by my parents or by my family or that sort of thing I, I felt something bigger and then when I got to college um, and I actually met a lady 
who owned a yoga studio and she started saying things like the universe always lines up and um, you know, the law of attraction. And she started kind of using these, you know, woo woo terms. Um, and that was really back, um, back when I started to realize that I could manifest like what actual manifestation meant. And then, um, in 2007, I did my first, actually, I think it was in 2008, I did my first vision board and, um, and actually had the pictures to compare to the pictures on the vision board to prove that this was not just something you know, that people talked about and hyped up that it was actual, actually something that people can do. And you mentioned the law of attraction and how does that in your mind work? How, how do you see this idea of manifestation or synchronicity or things like that? How does it work for you? Well, let me, let me give a little bit of the scientific perspective that I take and, and model that I take. Cause I think that's probably what sets my views apart and might be interesting to your listeners. Uh, so one of the foundational concepts that I, I have to rely on is this idea that we're having experiences all the time and that experience is actually the foundation of everything. You know, if you want to describe your life, you're always going to talk about some experience that you've had. And when you get up in the morning, you start having experiences. And when you go to bed at night, you've, you've had a bunch of experiences during the day. And so synchronicity is a way in which the physical world is showing up in specific ways, you know, with this person running across your path at a specific time or the cup of coffee spilling off the counter at a specific time, you know, it could be a frustrating experience like that. These are synchronicities that are meaningful coincidences that are physical realities that show up to give you a certain experience. So the whole point is that we are seeking to have experiences. I call them anticipated qualitative experiences. So we're anticipating a type of experience that we want to have. And then the physical world described by physics occurs or evolves in such a way that it supports that experience that we want to have. So I can tell a story of synchronicity that illustrates this. Uh, I was at a, at a retreat slash work slash conference, and uh, we were trying to build an app that tested for psychic abilities at this particular uh, conference. And it was a really fun time. We were having a good time. And at night, we took uh, the evening off, and I, we were, a couple of friends and I were excited about going in the hot tub. And this is Northern California, and it was the middle of winter, so it was a little chilly. So I get my bathing suit on, and I go out into the, uh, into the quad, in the open air and my friend comes back from the hot tub and says it's broken <laughs> and so immediately i have this you know i'm anticipating the experience of having a hot tub but uh that's not going to happen and so i have this gut sinking feeling of oh now i'm cold now i got to go back in my room and get dressed and warm up <laughs> before i can do that somebody from across the quad in the dark says to us and really kind of to me directly uh you should come join our group we're having this gathering tonight. It's a social gathering and you'd really like what we're doing. Wow. And I'm like, in that moment is a good opportunity to, to listen to life and be like, well, what I want to do is go climb in my bed and read a book and fall asleep. But I checked in with what my actual goals are, my anticipated experience that I want to have, which is at that time I was really seeking an opportunities to continue expanding the, who I talked to about my work on synchronicity and, and get new opportunities to speak and share it. Mm -hmm. So 
that's not going to happen back in my bed, but right. it might happen more if I go to this group of people and start meeting people. So I had to listen to that moment and decide to take a different choice of action. And I went and got dressed and came back out and uh, joined this person at their, at their event. So I walk into the event and the first person, somebody first thing somebody says to me is you should go meet John. He's over in the corner there, but he's, he'd be really into what you're doing on synchronicity. And I didn't meet him right away, but over the course of the night, we finally ended up at the last people in the room and we start talking and we'd really have a lot in common. He used to be a physics physicist and um, he has a background in it at least. And anyway, he, he says, I'd love to have you come speak for my group. So let's, uh, let's just change numbers. Wow. I'm feeling like, great, this is exactly why I chose to do this, even though it was uncomfortable. And so we exchanged numbers. And two months later, I get an email from my friend at the National Speakers Association, who I took a class with a couple of years ago. She says, we'd love to have you come and, and speak for our uh, professional group this week. It's, a, it's an entrepreneurs you know, gathering social group. And my friend John on the board told me that you'd be a great fit. And I said, you know, Sky? <laughs> and so, so because this person I already knew already was, was working with this person that I just met and we were talking about uh, speaking together and stuff, um, a broken hot tub turned into a speaking engagement three months down the road, which was precisely in alignment with the experience I wanted to have. Wow. And so in my mind, I've got a couple things that are kind of coming up. And the first one is you, you embraced what you kind of coined as a meaningful coincidence. Um, and then the second thought that I kind of have on that is, uh, and let me, let me figure out how to phrase this is, um, really how do we be open and receptive to these meaningful coincidences or these opportunities and how do we see them as something positive and, um, and not as something negative, because you described, you know, the the disappointment of the hot tub being broken and that's and that sort of stuff. How do we embrace these meaningful coincidences and roll with them? How do we do that? I love that question because I think it's really the deepest point in the book and the deepest work that I'm doing in my own life. We embrace all types of different experiences as synchronicity, whether they're positive or not, by really being able to authentically feel our emotions. Hmm. And so in particular, uh, grief is, a, is an emotion that I write about in the book, something that we typically try and avoid. Mm -hmm. And yet, grief is an experience that is part of flow. The whole flow is about finding the full range of your experience, the full range of your emotions. And when experience leads us to grief, it can be a way to heal some part of us that's, that's been wounded. And if we're able to allow that feeling, if it's coming from flow, we allow that feeling to come. We notice it, we feel it, we, we honor the space that it brings. Then we can actually allow something else to come through afterwards, which might be more joy or more self-expression. And so in that moment, even, even a thing like a broken hot tub is a little moment of disappointment or grief. I think about that in terms of grief, like it's a little bit of a loss. Right, absolutely. And so in that moment, if I'm able to feel that loss rather than fight against it, then that re-empowers me to see what else can come of the situation. Um, I, 
uh, you mentioned flow and I definitely want to circle back on that. Um, I also want to, I also want to touch on what you, what you describe about feeling the emotions of grief. But prior to that, I think a question that a lot of my listeners would have is, well, was it just an accident that worked out in your favor? Or do you think it was always meant to happen that way? You can hear me, right? Oh, now I can hear you. I could not hear you for the last 15 seconds. <laughs> That's weird because like, it's synchronistically, I like pause to gather my thoughts and then suddenly you couldn't hear me. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought he's pausing to gather his thoughts. And I'm like, this is a really long pause. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, so what I think is that the, the experiences are not simply meant to be because the model that synchronicity works off of is a tree of possibilities. Okay. We're moving through this tree and none of the branches of the tree are destined to happen. Okay. They all have a certain probability of happening. Okay. By anticipating certain experiences in life, which means really allowing ourselves to feel what it would feel like to have that experience. Sometimes we do that unconsciously as well. We essentially place apples on the branches of the tree that align with our anticipated experience. Wow. Out of all the possible outcomes, now the ones that are aligned with what we're anticipating become a little heavier from those apples. And if you can just imagine heavier apples are going to weigh down those branches and make them more likely to happen. Mm, gosh, I just love that analogy or that metaphor. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I'm thinking back on my own life in times where maybe I put too many apples on something from an emotional standpoint, it wasn't a very rational standpoint. <laughs> and then I'm stuck with the consequences of, of having that branch hit the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and sometimes so that's probably because it's it, it, when you were earlier describing the cosmic experience of learning lessons, right? That's where that would kind of come into play. Right. If there's some lesson we need to learn unconsciously, then we are, as I think probably your listeners are aware of in their lives too, some, somehow we always end up acting out what it is that we believe. <laughs> Whether we mean to or not, we just keep repeating those patterns because we're acting out what we believe about ourselves. And in doing so, we're, we keep putting apples on the same types of branches. And we, I call this building momentum. Like these apples may be far in the future, but we keep acting as if those are the apples we want to have. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's conscious. But we keep weighing down those branches and we move closer and closer to the areas of the tree that have those kind of apples happening. And so we build momentum towards experiences that are in alignment with our beliefs about ourselves. And so it's really coming down to shifting our belief about ourself so that we could better place the apples on the right branches <laughs> or on the branches yeah. that are most... And, and the synchronicities are the synchronicities are the perfect opportunities to do that because they are precisely the response of the cosmos to what we have been creating in our in our minds and in our lives. Wow! And so my view is that synch the synchronicities that do show up in life are precisely the ones that will help you heal from your own woundings in the past. And so we can trust that process, and we can. This is this is one way to develop a sense of faith or trust that what's showing up for me right now in my life is what I need to work with in order to get to my next level of uh, success or greatness in whatever part of my life I'm working on. I like that. I'm thinking about all the ex-relationships that were just apples that needed to help me get to <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and that kind of um, segues nicely into my question about grief um, as an emotion that, you know, we need to feel to progress from, which I completely concur. A lot of the questions I get as a psychotherapist and certainly even from we did a podcast on grief and loss um, is I get that. OK, you know, I need to feel it. I need to embrace it. I need to learn from it. But what if it's so overwhelming that I can't? get out of bed. I can't uh, seem to get past it. I want to wallow in it as I'm choosing, you know, ultimately they're choosing to not, to not move past it. How can people redirect, uh, realign? How can they, how can they shift from being in such a bad spot, um, to seeing the, the positive or potential in it? Well, just you asking that question, my eyes water a little bit, just from my own experience of what it's like to face that kind of challenge. And to have something happen in life that, I mean, this can be a range of different types of things, but stuff that makes us scared, brings us, brings up fears or sadness that feels overwhelming. One thing that I do in my life and that I think is useful is to start integrating what I'm saying about synchronicity and flow and feeling grief and allowing authentic emotion. Start with the simpler parts of life like start with the moments where you're just disappointed because your your son or daughter um, decided not to get dressed and use their time instead to play with their ipad or to read a book and now it's time to go to school and you're going to be late and so there's a feeling of disappointment that comes up there and being able to transform to feel those feelings like for me so i don't get angry at my daughter and instead can respond really as an adult and and help grow her into the human i want her to be without reacting to her and those little moments, I think, are, are opportunities to practice dealing with those types of disappointments. Mm -hmm. And then the bigger disappointments in life are, are difficult. And, and yet maybe as we get better at recognizing grief in our life, recognizing disappointment, and holding that with an open heart, that's, that's a big part of this, is allowing, allowing ourselves to really feel things with an open heart. Um, and when we do that at the small level, uh, maybe it gives us some practice for the bigger things. But I don't think there's any, any panacea. Or for, I don't want to claim that this is going to solve your, your bigger problems or anything like that. Right, right. No, but what you were saying is so true, and it's something I certainly um, – encourage a lot in, in my practice as we kind of break down these big things people often come saying you know I've been diagnosed with this disorder and I, and I like to say a, 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 you know a mental health disorder was a lot of experiences that you made choices along the way um, and and decided really how how the outcome was going to play out because that seemed um, to serve you at the time and it's not serving you now so we need to break it down and kind of go back and, and review like how can we how can we make different choices as we go along I think that um, when yeah. people say they're depressed it's um, it's not a single event it's it's right. how they how they came at various different experiences and the perspective in which they came at it or you know the the narrative that they told themselves or that sort of thing that led to that overall blanket statement of I'm depressed, you know? Yeah. And I think it's really helpful to see when I'm feeling in, in that state of, of non-functioning because I'm, I'm overwhelmed by some <clears throat> frustration or, or, or disappointment to see like, what is it that happened that triggered this, that made me feel this way? Cause often it's, it's, 
it's, I'm unaware of it. Maybe it's just something my daughter said to me or my wife and noticing that. So there's a process I use called the Lorax process. First step is to listen, listen to life, listen to the circumstance, find out what, what is the circumstance that happened, which actually generated a, an emotional response for me. And then the second step is to open my mind or open, open your mind, which is necessary because often we think we know what the situation means. Like when someone we love says something to us about, you know, how we didn't do the dishes and left, left them in the sink or something like that. We, we think we know what they're feeling. We think we know what the backstory is and opening our minds is really a chance to just say, well, maybe my interpretation is wrong. So this thing happened that triggered a feeling for me. Maybe my interpretation is wrong. And now I'm going to reflect on that. I'm going to reflect on what are my core goals and values right now. And is there some way in which this experience might be helpful to me in reaching my core values? Mm. So, so for instance, in, in a thing that came up with my wife recently, uh, one of the core values I have is learning to, uh, I guess this is a core value, be less defensive so that I can be really a better listener and, and be able to hold more than just my own perspective at the same time. And, and so the, 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 the experience we had together of kind of fighting over something to, it's a strong word, but made me, gave me a chance when I reflected on it to actually practice not being defensive and to listen deeply and, and not beat myself up. Mm. And so once I had reflected that that was possible, then I had to release, which is the second R in this Lorax process, L O R R A X. And I had to release my attachment to being right in the situation. I had to release my attachment to how I thought things were going to go. And I think that's a really important step that ties into the, the grief, you know, releasing what we thought was going to be true. And then from that point, having listened and opened and reflected and then done some release, we can then act from a place of uh, awareness and informed awareness and make choices that are in alignment then with the circumstances. And this is where I think flow comes in because now we've made a choice that's in alignment with the circumstances as they really are. Mm-hmm. And we then find, we, we create the stage for some synchronicity to show up, which aligns with us. And there's this mutual alignment between us and, and the world around us. And do you always act or sometimes is it just an acknowledgement? Well, sometimes the choice of action is to not, not do something I was going to do. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, so, so it's just know. acknowledging it and that kind yeah. of, okay. Yeah. In this case, it might be not speaking up and, defending myself right 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 okay acting listening is definitely a form of action Mm. oh i like that i didn't really think about it like that but it is (laughs) yeah yeah. and what and then the last step in the process is the x just referring to don't give up this this is an ongoing process and no matter what difficulties we run across no matter how many synchronicities we miss which we will the more we start seeing them the more we'll start missing them (laughs) and see our mistakes over and over again and just don't give up on the process. It's just all, you're always at the beginning of this tree. So I, when you said that, I um, was kind of reflecting on, you know, my own, my own journey and in, in being an active listener and, and that sort of thing. But um, when you, yeah. when you said at the end there about the synchronicities that we've missed and kind of that feeling of disappointment, you know, I even look back on um, 
so I've, I've had a couple books that have published and things like that. And, and I've looked back and thought, man, if I just stuck with this, or if I just done that, or if I just taken this opportunity, or if I'd just not gone off this social media platform to make other people happy or, you know, things like that, where would I be now? And I've, I've really been struggling with that a lot lately. Um, because a lot of the, even the influencers that I've had on the podcast, a lot of what they're doing, I was doing so many years ago, but I gave up. I, I quit like the ex, like you're talking about. I, you know, I just felt like maybe I wasn't doing it right or I wasn't doing it well enough or I wanted to make other people happy. And so um, I think that's been a huge part of my journey. And I'm only just now realizing that, no, it took, it took all of these building blocks on this foundation to really get where I am now to be able to have a podcast like this that um, incorporates all of those life experiences and all of those things that I've kind of been through um, to really, to really generate what, what I, what I have now came from all of those things. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And I love that. It brings up something that's really, really active for me in my life right now. You know, in, in, there's a way in which, I think as we get closer to what we want or we get some, make some progress towards the, the visions that we have for our life, we are given obstacles as part of this process of flow. And those obstacles in some way are actually illusions. I mean, they're not illusions in that they really exist and they really are financial challenges and they really are logistical challenges. Um, but they're illusions in the sense that behind those obstacles are opportunities and, and set like uh, synchronistic moments that may emerge, which will help you solve those obstacles or overcome them or move through them. And what we can't see when an obstacle sometimes emerges is that there's any hope of getting through it or there's any relief on the other side. And the promise that I think synchronicity brings is that those obstacles in some sense are illusions when we can draw, draw on the inner strength to keep moving towards our vision we then do experience little bits of help along the way, just enough to keep us moving. But we are the driving force there, our inner will to create. How many people, um, you know, when I talk about manifestation and stuff, obviously in the work that I do as a psychotherapist, most of the people that I'm seeing are um, in such a bad space that they're, they're trying to, to just get a different mindset, a different perspective. But then the, the other work that I do, which is more the BU Find Happy workshops and things like that, those are people who have, I already have the tools in their toolbox. They're already doing that. Um, and they they know that there's something to this power of manifestation and embracing these synchronicities, but they don't know how to silence themselves to do it. They don't they don't know how to really um, 
they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to really create. What are what are your like three things that um, that people need to do to embrace synchronicity? Well, I think it, I want to re reiterate the Lorax process. It's it's simple but really useful. And the first step being to listen. And for me, the, the learning has been over the years that listening is to life. You know, it's not just to people or to your spouse or whatever. It's listening to the circumstances of life. And I really mean this in an absolute way that each experience that we're having can serve a meaningful role. And so I would say the first, first useful step is to notice any time that you're blaming a situation or a person for something that's happening in your life and noticing that there's something there that needs to be healed. If I'm blaming somebody else for my situation, then there's something in me that needs to be healed. And how then can I take some space from this circumstance and look at it from the perspective of what do I need to bring to the situation that will heal me and maybe resolve the situation in some way for myself. So do you think that when people aren't listening uh, that that's where, and they are blaming or they are doing something like that. Do you feel like that's where the law of attraction comes into play? Their negative energy is actually flowing out into the cosmos to bring more of that? Or, or what is the physics behind that piece of it? Well, I think that when we, I don't think of it in terms of energy because from an actual physics perspective, that's not what it is. Um, it's, uh, related to information, we're, we are anticipating experiences that align with our beliefs, Wh whether we mean to or not. That's what we're doing. I feel, you know, that's what I notice in myself. I'm, I'm feeling like I want to, you know, have an experience of, um, well, often I talk about coffee. Like if you just start imagining coffee, you can sort of taste what that feel tastes like and feel what that feels like. And so you begin to feel into that, or I want to have an experience of, um, a successful relationship. And so you, you actually feel what that feels like. But if there's stuff in the way of that, having a successful relationship, you may actually be feeling what's in the way. Like, but no one's ever going to like this part of me. No one's ever going to appreciate, you know, the, the way that I handle my job or, and, or, and, and these, we are connecting to the information about these future experiences and making those that align with our choices more likely. So there's a process, and maybe this will sum it up a little bit better than I'm doing right now, but there's a process I call meaningful history selection, where out of all the possible ways that the universe can unfold, the histories, that you are connecting with those histories that are more meaningful to you based on the choices of the actions that you're taking. Um. <laughs> and, that, and that's happening with those apples like the more we place apples on the tree that aligns with you know, a positive experience of our relationship uh, the more that those types of situations tend to unfold in our life and ultimately listening and learning from our own experience checking into what we're feeling about life not blaming someone else will bring us into contact with uh, those types of experiences that are, are more positive in a relationship perspective I got, I think I got hung up when you started talking about histories um, in my own mind. I think I started reflecting on my own past history. <laughs> um, and I, and I, I kind of 
was curious about that. Uh, do you mean that we tend to hold on to past experiences because they're comfortable and they're not serving us? Or do you mean that um, those shape our decisions moving forward? I think both of those are true. And what I mean is something more technical from a scientific point of view. And I didn't get a chance to share that. So let me do that. What, what I, the way I interpret the science of quantum mechanics is the following statement. Quantum mechanics is the study of what things are doing when you're not watching them. Mm. So this is a, one of the really profound things that first drew me to, to the study of quantum mechanics when I was in college many years ago. That quantum mechanics is studying you know, what electrons are doing before they're observed. And my work is trying to show that uh, I think it's, it's evident that, and, and provable that these rules apply to universally to all objects, not just the little things we have in a laboratory, but that the people in your lives, the, the, the things like the cars that people are driving and all these things are governed by this, this sort of question of what are these things doing when you're not observing them? And the answer to that question is like the, the tree falling in a forest when no one's there to hear it. That's exactly so what no I was thinking, right? <laughs> if no one's there to hear it, it's not in fall, a fallen state, and it's also not in a not fallen state. It's in what we call a superposition of both. Mm. A superposition of both possibilities. So quantum mechanics points us to this idea that there are many possibilities, and only when we interact with something do we observe one of the possibilities. Wow. So when you, when you show up in the forest, something real has happened, but the whole this is where the history idea comes in. The whole history of that tree leading up to you finally observing it wasn't determined until the moment you observed it. Wow. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, this is, I'm sitting here going, like, literally, my, if you could, I think if my brain had, like, an art display, <laughs> it would be circular, just, like, spinning tornado. <laughs> what brings me to this work day after day and lights me up in talking about it is that it, ultimately it's just a deep, deep sense of awe and wonder at understanding these concepts a little better that are really um, transcendent in a way, really awe-inspiring. Absolutely, I, I feel like, um, and I and I never wanted to pass judgment in this way, but I feel grateful that I that I'm not naive to the idea that there is so much inner working happening that we can't feel or see, but we or that we can't see but we can feel that we know is there. Um, I feel like it would be a sad thing to not um, have an experience or an idea that there's something beyond us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. In most yeah I mean, that's what drives me to do this work in the first place. And just to tie it all together with that last example, you know, like if, if we were talking about when I, when I missed the hot tub, you know, and I had, I ended up having a connection with this other person that led to a, a speaking engagement at their community. Um, all of the, when the hot tub, when I, when, I, when I learned that the hot tub wasn't available, all the possibilities with this other person, John, were a superposition of possibilities. Like in some, in some branches of the tree, he was at the conference and in some branches, he wasn't even there. In some branches, I, I had a conversation with him and in some branches, I didn't. And it's not until I actually walk in the room and see him there that that particular possibility falls into place. And that whole, the whole history that led him to that point also falls into the place. And so in your life, when you go out into the world, I want you to imagine you're not walking into a scene that's already happening. 
like arriving at a party that started an hour ago. You're walking into a scene that creates itself fresh in that moment and falls into place right there for your eyes. Wow. There are so many times where um, I think people feel like life is happening to them rather yeah. than uh, their role, their active role in, in what is what can be. Uh, and I think that if, if more humans could embrace the idea that uh, they, they are in the driver's seat of their life, I often say this, you're not in the back seat, you're not in the passenger seat, you are in the driver's seat of your life. And uh, if more humans felt that empowerment, what, how elevated the entire world would be. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's really the goal of my work. And that's the the outcome of the course that I'm developing that'll be launched in the fall. Called Living in Flow, is that it? Yeah, it's a Living in Flow course. Okay. And it's a self-paced video course broken up into uh, seven modules with short segments to make it really easy to digest. And it, it's intended to take you from feeling stuck or disempowered to recognizing gateways that are available every day and the everyday synchronicities that can show up in life to get us from here to there. Well, I will absolutely be taking that course. <laughs> if anything, just to better understand the apples and the tree falling in the forest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and I try to um, give enough of the scientific background that really draws out this sense of awe for people and gives a sense of like a framework that you can start understanding, like the visual model of the apple tree. And I go into a lot of experiential, each, each, each segment has some kind of experiential practice you can do to integrate the ideas uh, and the ideas are things like around understanding what meaningful choices are in your life, what kinds of meaningful choices you're making, what kinds of momentum you're building in your life, understanding what authentic authenticity feels like and how to neutralize fear, not by being brave, but by being authentic. And these things I think put you back in the driver's seat, noticing the opportunities every day that are showing up uh, synchronistically. I had um, Sonny McCandless on not too long ago, and she talked about the courage to be you. Um, she's the partner to Alex Honnold, who uh, free soloed El Cap. And oh. yeah, yeah. And huh? let's watch that movie, Free Solo. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, so you saw Sonny, then she was on the podcast, and uh, yeah. I loved her perspective on, uh, similar to what you're saying, is not so much about bravery. It's about um, authentically showing up. And um, right. I, I love that. And, and she, in her podcast, shared ways uh, to authentically show up, which I, I love. Yeah. So it's no accident either that you're <laughs> on the podcast when you are on the podcast, because there have been, you know, the listeners, if, they're, if they've been following all along, this would be the perfect timing for them to hear this piece of it. Um, and it's so beautifully, uh, you know, and, and technically explains the kind of woo-woo concepts that I've been talking about the whole time. <laughs> um, the other funny thing, um, when you kept saying Lorax, um, you know, when I originally wrote it down, I wrote down L-O-R-A-X, I missed the other R, um, right. but that is one of my all-time favorite books by Dr. Seuss. Yeah. And, and, and I love about trees in the forest and apples, yeah. I can't help but you know, see that connection there. It all just kind of fell into place over the years. It's taken me years to sort of get all the pieces in a way that really made sense and was simple enough to to really hold together. And one of the things I love about the acronym is it is one of my favorite books from growing up. And, you know, the Lorax 
speaks for the trees Mm -hmm. because the trees have no voices. Right. And this is how I think synchronicity empowers us. We often feel, I often feel like I don't have a voice, whether it's in my personal life, where dealing with my finances or in the bigger world in politics or dealing with climate change. Like what, what voice do I have in dealing with something as big as climate change and synchronicity is what shows up every day to lead us, give us breadcrumbs on the path towards those things we want to be more empowered with. And so it speaks for us, even when we feel like we have no voices, just like the Lorax did. Oh my gosh. I, I love that. It's the breadcrumbs that gives us, oh my gosh, I just love that. <laughs> like you need, to, you need to like trademark that quote. <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. Um, and, and so positively accurate. Um, so what I'm really kind of hearing you say is, is that um, every moment that we arrive with a listening ear, we have an opportunity to develop our future in the way that we want. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, I, I think it's just so, I want to emphasize that word every time. It's so continuous. And this is why it's so, so hopeful and also so exhausting sometimes. Right. It's like, it's hopeful because we're always on stage in that way. Right. I just want to get gas and not have to think that there's something awesome happening that I'm missing. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. And I've been at gas stations and I've handed out my card. I actually gave my card to um, Robin Wright at a gas station. No way. Time. Robin Wright Penn? Oh. Yeah. So yeah. A little, another little tidbit that is no accident happens to uh-huh. be my all-time favorite movie, The Princess Bride. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My, one of mine, too. <laughs> I have many quotes from that from that movie that I um, that I quote just in my everyday I life. Think I talk about them it. daily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean that that's so true, and this is this is my life. Like when I when I get out of the car to get gas, I am aware that I'm creating something. Now, that doesn't mean that I. I also have to learn to have boundaries and to, if I, if I create something at the gas station, I might not be creating something with the person who's in the car with me. You know, every time we create one thing, we're not focusing on something else. And so I think the wisdom of flow is recognizing that we are always creating and that's a deep responsibility. And that by always creating, we're always also missing things that we could create. And this is where we come back to that sense of authentic emotion and, and disappointment and grief Uh, Part of being an aware creator is recognizing all the things you're not creating by choice and your your limitations and then keeping the stepping forward in the things that you do choose. I I love that as a mom because, you know, responsibility and teaching my son that element of responsibility, especially with him being an only child, has been a big part of my journey and and, um, not owning it for him and, and having, you know, putting it back on him to say, no, mom didn't forget your bottle of water. You forgot, you know, like that was your choice. There was your responsibility in that. And um, he's eight now. So it's really that kind of prime time where it's transferring from mom being a lot of the, you know, responsibility owner to him starting to have those life responsibilities. And so um, this is, I think, the my biggest fear is screwing up this part. <laughs> yeah of ownership of having him be able to own his choices. I think so. Yeah. A lot. But, and, and it's a counter transference issue for me because a lot of the clients that I work with, um, they don't have any responsibility for their own 
choices for their own actions in life. Um, and that, so for me, that's, that's my biggest fear as a mom is that I'm, I'm not going to impart that. And I'm going to right. enable that idea that someone else did it to you. Right. Yeah. You know, I have a quote from the book that speaks about purpose. It seems like it would fit nicely here. It reads, there is a difference between finding our purpose and finding a sense of purpose. The first phrase statement about life goals as if there's something we are supposed to be doing with our lives and we have to find the right thing. I like the second phrase better, finding a sense of purpose. I think the universe responds to the choices we make by bringing new events into our lives that match those choices. Mm. Therefore, each of our daily actions becomes really important. Making each action purposeful is a habit we can develop. It's like tending a garden. You aren't a factory farm pumping out only one cash crop. You are a community garden, planting different seeds at different times and for different purposes. Some of your actions purposefully build love within your family. Others of your actions invest in your success in your career. Still other corners of the garden hold seeds you plant purely for the growing of your own joy and fulfillment in life. Finding a sense of purpose focuses more on the sense of part than on the purpose part. Mm. The purpose can be any goal or intention you take on but your sense of purpose is unique to you. Mm. Finding a sense of purpose is about finding the essence of yourself in everything you do. I love that. And I love the idea that, um, that I talk a lot about aligning with your inner truth and uh, that the only way to truly be happy is when you're coming from that, that space. And so I love that, um, the how you tie purpose into inner truth. That's just really, really nice. That's, I'm going to have to digest that again. I'm going to have to read that again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to break that that's, one down and take some notes on that one. <laughs> I think that's page uh, 19 or something, 16, page 16 of Living in Flow. Oh, I love that. Um, one, other, one other kind of question I have, you know, there's been, I think the most popular, uh, well, one of the most popular ideas out there is the secret. Do you embrace yeah. the idea of the secret? I know Oprah touts it a lot. Um, do you embrace it? Well, that's an interesting question. I, I absolutely am describing the same basic phenomenon that they're trying to, to describe in the secret. I'm describing the, the cosmos as responsive, and I'm trying to give a precise way in which that's true and develop that from the perspective of physics. So I, I like to think about what, what is the experience we have every day that's driving these theories that people have. And the experience, I think, is we have experiences of meaningful connection that seem greater than chance. We have experiences of synchronicity. And I think The Secret tried to explain that and, and describe it. I'm trying to come from a scientific perspective because I think having a model that's based in science uh, makes it more accessible to a wider range of people and makes us able to test it. You know, the, the, the science I'm doing is testable, although it's, it's more complicated than something I could just explain off the top of my head. It's, you know, developing scientific physics experiments in the lab that, that support the ideas in the theory. And then saying, look, if you extend these ideas logically, you end up with the possibility that meaningful coincidences would be happening in everyday life. Mm. My husband always jokes, like when we're pulling into a parking spot, he's like, did you manifest this? Did you, <laughs> did you say we're going to get a good spot, parking spot? So we did. Um, right. Well, you know, living in flow is, is not about 
attaching to every single possible meaningful thing that happens. Because when we start living this way, I like to use the analogy of a bicycle. When we pedal a bicycle, we are moving ourselves forward. And in doing that, it's, it's that forward energy, that forward effort that we're making that generates meaningful or even purposeful experiences for us in our lives. Mm-hmm. But those, we leave those experiences behind, like they come off the back of the bicycle and we leave, we leave these experiences that we've created, which are beautiful. Like it might be starting a difficult conversation with someone in our family. And, but having that, that situation resolve itself because we took the chance to have that, that conversation. And you know, that's just something we leave behind us as a gift to the world. So when we generate synchronicities, we are generating gifts to the world. And if we turn around and stop and stop pedaling the bike to look back and see what we've created, we stop generating new synchronicities. So our hopes and dreams come from a space of momentum. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're always building that momentum. And the purposeful, the idea of purposefulness is that every action we take is meaningful. Every action we take leads towards some branches of the tree that involve some outcome that we're anticipating. So then purposefulness, it comes down to how do we choose what we're aiming for so that the, the sequence of choices that we make all lead towards the same types of apples and actually move us effectively towards something new that we want to create in our lives rather than jumping around back and forth or giving up just when we start to build momentum. We might move a long way down this tree and be surrounded by apples, but we haven't experienced any of the apples yet. And so we lose faith and we stop working. We stop pedaling the bicycle. Hmm. And then we don't actually get to the apples, even though they're they're almost there. Hmm. So much power and responsibility in, you know, in, in, in our choices, I guess. Yes. Yeah. And, and returning to the secret, the conversation about the secret, I definitely encourage people to get everything they can from that model and to make sure that, you know, in my view, uh, the purpose of synchronicity showing up in life, the purpose of the responsiveness of the cosmos is to help us grow and learn and heal and evolve. Mm. And so seeing synchronicity, seeing every event in life, whether it's synchronistic or seeming like a, terrible accident or whatever all of these things may be showing up in our lives as a means of healing ourselves Mm. i think that's very empowering i i like that i know a lot of people who say i've just had so much bad luck or you know so many things have been happening i can't get a break um seems that everything's just being thrown at me you know um and and then people say i guess this is just this is just my lifetime. I'm never going to, I'm never going to be wealthy or I'm never going to have happiness or I'm never going to have a great relationship. It's just not meant for, it's not in the cards for me this lifetime kind of thing. Yeah. What do you think about that? About that? Mindset? <laughs> what do I think about that? It's how do I deal with that? Cause that happens to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> my personal experience a lot. And I'll come back right there to the authentic experience that I'm having. In that moment, I'm often having an experience of what I would call grief. Of some sort, right. Some kind of grief, some disappointment, some loss. And when I, there's actually another quote that I'd love to read if we have time. Yeah, we do. And then I have one more question for you too. Okay. Um, uh, I had it here. Oh, well, maybe, maybe I don't have it here. Um, Yeah, here it is. Our grief allows us to let go of what is holding us back from living fully authentic lives. Our sorrow and the outrage that may come with it can light a fire within us 
We don't all need to become activists. We don't all need to follow an outward path of political or social change. Rather, those authentic feelings, allowing those authentic feelings into our hearts can give us the courage to be honest right here in our own lives, in our own homes, in our own places of work or worship. When we authentically feel our emotions, we are no longer willing to let life go by without speaking up into the microphone. We're also no longer willing to let external standards determine who we are. An important first step is allowing ourselves to feel the grief of loss, whether it's the loss of a relationship with a person we loved, the loss of ecosystems or creatures, or the loss of a profession, a way of life, or an opportunity. When we open to the full range of our experiences, we can also reconnect with our ability to feel joy, to feel gratitude for what we have, and to sense our own power to direct our own lives. Hmm. I love that. I love that. And, and the sense of empowerment is huge (laughs) is coming across, you know, as, um, I I feel, I feel like there is so much there, uh, that maybe is scary to people, the idea of being in full control of your life, you know? Yeah. And, and that the power to change actually comes from within. And that's so scary when we feel out of control, like someone else is causing this problem. Right. Um, and yet it's only through that ownership, sense of ownership that comes from synchronicity that speaks up for us and that we speak up for ourselves that we really discover, I think, the, uh, the true power of human beings wow. to create. Well, I am sure people's minds are spinning now. <laughs> They're definitely going to have to take your class. So uh, one last question, because this, this has come up a lot for me in my life. Do you think that... Um, do you think that like, so sometimes I'll be somewhere or I'll, I'll text some, I'll, I'll be somewhere and I'll hear a song or I'll see something or smell something and it'll remind me of someone. And that in that moment, that person texts me mm-hmm. or in that moment, I can't help but wonder if that person that, that I was just thinking about, isn't thinking about me at the same time. Right. This happened to me yesterday. I was, talking about my cousin because she took me on this great tour of Nashville and I was wrapping up a package to send her and she texted me. She texted me something totally random and unrelated just right then, you know, or, or I'll be thinking of someone and then I go to the grocery store and they're there and I haven't seen them in five years and they're there, that kind of thing. How do you explain that? So the, the bigger story, which, you know, I, I go into in my work and in the book and in the course that I'm leading, uh, ties into those histories that we're, we're meaningfully selecting meaningful histories that correlate to what we're thinking or doing. Um, but to go deeper into that, it takes a little, more, a little more work. What I love to think about is how synchronicity weaves our lives together. Flow is a process by which we get woven into uh, the fabric of, of each other's lives. So this person shows up at the right time for what I'm experiencing right now. And I show up at the right time for them as well. Do you think that we were likely to always meet the people that we met, that we had the life experiences with, that maybe we've connected in past lives or something like that, or energetically that we are, that we're meant to connect? Well, there's a lot of mystery that still remains. You know, I think that one of the beauties of studying synchronicity is that we understand, we can understand it better. And yet the mystery of what it, how, how all these lives get woven together and questions like you just asked about 
is there a, a history to ourselves beyond or prior to our life? Uh, and I don't have answers to those questions. And I think part of the beauty is, is that those mysteries can remain even as we do learn more about how synchronicity can be understood from a scientific perspective. Hmm. I, I swear, this is just my favorite. This lights me up. This is just my favorite stuff. <laughs> you know, <Me> too. <laughs> talking about that is just, you know, it's, um, it's exhausting and exciting and exhilarating all in the same moment. <laughs> yeah. But that's how life should be, right? That's pedaling the bicycle. <laughs> fully, and by the end of the day, you say, I got nothing left. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love that. Yet another great metaphor for life. Well, it, it has been such a treat to have you on. And I see this as the first of probably many podcasts together in our future. Thanks. I'd love it. And people can sign up for a, a free webinar that I'll be doing to, uh, to talk about the empowerment of synchronicity and let you know about the course that's launching. Uh, so you can find that on my website, Living in Flow Book, or at skynelson.com slash course. Awesome. And I'll put all that in the show notes as well. So, so awesome to, to connect with you and share space today and to share uh, your, your incredible insights on synchronicity and, and the living in flow. Uh, and I'll connect with you on text message afterwards, but I really appreciate having you on today. Thank you, Michaela. Thanks. Have a great day. I'll talk to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. For more inspiration, check out our links. Whoa, is that? Bye-bye. Bye-bye.